Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Holy, holy, holy owl, holy Suzuki, blessed be they all, and a happy Earth Day to you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Today is the holiest day of the year for the globalist environmental movement. It is Earth Day. Not a real holiday. It's not a real holy day. But I tell you, it is treated as if it is one. Well, it's not that I don't want a clean planet. It's that I reject the premise that the current environmental movement is based upon. I reject the idea that humans are the problem. I reject the idea that we have too many humans. And I reject the idea that the planet is warming. Why? Well, because I can read. Because I I went to the people that keep we keep being told to listen to, the scientists, like the UN, the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which says we have not had warming since 1998. Or Michael Mann, the professor at the University of Pennsylvania, creator of the hockey stick graph that was mailed to every home in Canada. He signed off on a an academic paper just, what, a month or two ago, describing how, yeah, the, the warming hasn't exactly happened like we claimed. The computer models didn't work. It's, it's not happening. But do not worry. Do not worry on this holiest of holy days. Justin Trudeau, peace be upon him, was in the, the temple of the globalist environmental movement he was at the United Nations headquarters in New York to, to announce to the world that Canada was going to make itself right. Canada would atone for past sins. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon said of the resulting agreement that what was once unthinkable has become unstoppable. Today, with my signature... Today, with my signature, I give you our word that Canada's efforts will not cease. Oh, they shall not cease. And you shall do penance to the tune of 600 to $1,800 for every man, woman, and child, according to the Parliamentary Budget Office, uh, office and you know, the, their study of what the commitments that the government have ma- has made will cost you. That's per year. That's not a one-time thing. To stop warming that stopped itself in 1998. Did you know, by the way, that at the first Earth Day, the scientists and the activists that started Earth Day got up and warned us all that we better watch out because the Earth is cooling and by 1990, we will be at a new ice age. How'd that work out? What we have are people that try and study what's going on, that try to understand, that try to make sense. And then often these, their findings get hijacked by politics, and that's what's happened here. And so when Justin Trudeau goes to the UN and says Canada's efforts will never cease, that has nothing to do with, with science. And when he goes to the UN and he says that we're going to work collectively 
Again, that has nothing to do with science. I encourage other signatories to move swiftly, to follow through on their commitments as we will, and encourage those countries that are not in a position to sign today to follow shortly. In every possible sense, we are all in this together. Together, we will make ours a better world. Thought he was trying to rickroll me there. Together forever and ever tonight. Oh yeah, little Rick Astley. But no, Justin Trudeau wants us to completely change our economy. We know where his people stand on this. They've been out there for years. We know that he follows in the footsteps of people like Maurice Strong, who wrote in National Review back in 1997 that to save the planet, we were going to have to do away with the uh, industrialized society. It would have to fall away. And you know what? We might even have to do away with democracy to be able to handle this properly. Maury Strong, granddaddy of the global environmental movement, the man behind the Rio Summit in 92, the man behind Kyoto, the man that moved to China after helping ruin Ontario Hydro, like Trudeau, admires communism. Look, you can sum it up in one word, what the, the globalist environmental movement really is all about. Watermelon. They're green on the outside and they're red on the inside. This is not about fixing the planet because if you've been around long enough, you know that our air is actually cleaner. We have less pollution in our air. Our water is cleaner than it was. Our vehicles are more efficient. We use less energy. All of these things are true. What is not true is the claim that we are heading towards disaster if we don't change our economy completely. Not true at all. And these guys have been proven wrong time and again. I mean, think of Al Gore. Think of Al Gore and his movie, The Inconvenient Truth. That was taken to court. I believe there were something to the in the neighborhood of three dozen factual errors in it. And parents were upset that this was being shown in their school. These were British parents. And they went to a court to say, you, you know, because the school wouldn't hear of letting students know there were mistakes. So they went to a court and a judge ruled that, yes, they could show the movie in school, but you had to tell the students about all the different errors. Well, nobody calls Gore on that. And he goes around the world. And here he is in 2009 warning that by 2014, we're not going to have any snow in the Arctic or any ice in the Arctic. And uh, some of the models suggest to Dr. Maslowski that there is a 75% chance that the entire North Polar ice cap during summer, during some of the summer months could be completely ice-free within the next five to seven years. And people in Britain will never know what snow looks like, except they just got a bunch of it last year. Look, people. It's frustrating because these things that are predicted do not happen. I'm not against the clean environment, and I doubt you are either. But we have to remember that these folks are lying to us. 
David Suzuki, if he truly believed it, Justin Trudeau, if he truly believed what he was saying, Al Gore, if he truly believed what he was saying, would not be flying around the world at the rate they do. Do you have any idea what their carbon footprint is? Do you know how massive it is? Suzuki, who has, I can never remember, does he have four kids in five homes or five kids in four homes in and around Vancouver? But he's in Toronto again for another gala fundraiser. He was just there last week for his 80th birthday celebration. He's flying back and forth across the country all the time. Al Gore's the same way. Justin Trudeau has been out of the country 45 days. CTV counted it up. They reported the other day he'd been out of the country 43 days. Add in the two days in New York, he's at 45. He's been prime minister for 170 days. That's 26% of the time he's out of the country because he's flying all over the place. Then he comes back to Canada. He flies out to Fogo Island in Newfoundland for Easter. He flies out west for a little bit of snowboarding. Tonight he's flying to Kananaska's country in Alberta to hold a retreat with his cabinet ministers. Why not have it here? Why not rent out the Delta or the Chateau Laurier? Why not use the office space that we have on Parliament Hill to hold your little caucus meeting. But no, everyone fly out to Kananaskis to talk about how we're going to reduce our carbon footprint. But when you question these people on this, like I did with David Suzuki earlier this year when he showed up at uh, Ottawa City Hall for a march, when you question him, they're not going to like it. They're not going to answer. And then the goons come out. Two years ago, you were in the national pre- or the uh, Charles Lindstrom said you weren't going to fly anymore. When, when did I say that? Uh, before one of the previous conferences in a new. I don't think so. I'm sorry. I'm asking a question. It's interview time. We're walking. Yeah, I'm walking too. Why'd you change your mind on travel, sir? Don't touch my camera. Why'd you change your mind on travel, oh, sir? I, Look, I never change. Answer my questions. That's fine. Just move. You don't touch me. You don't touch me. Just move. Just move. Don't question them. They don't like it. Of course, being a hypocrite never stops one from being listened to if you are, have the right pieties, if you worship at the right altar, which is why Leonardo DiCaprio, who flies all over the world, parties on yachts, flies out to St. Bart's or the Mediterranean to party it up on a super yacht that, you know, the carbon footprint, it could power. It could power Russell, for goodness sakes. But he's at the U.N. saying action must be taken while there's still a chance to make a difference. We all know that reversing the course of climate change will not be easy, but the tools are in our hands if we apply them before it is too late. Uh Uh-huh. I'm just not buying it. Not buying it from any of them. But happy Earth Day to all of you worshipping at the altar of Suzuki, Gore, Trudeau, DiCaprio in the United Nations. Happy Earth Day to you all. It is an actual holiday is starting today. We'll get into that a little bit later on. And we're going to be opening the phone lines early tonight. It'll be a bit of a Friday free-for-all. I'll be playing some audio and talking about issues, but taking your calls beginning at the top of the next hour. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Back in moments.
Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Trying to make the Twitter machine work and it's not working for me. Keeps trying to autocorrect something. Yeah. Gets frustrating, huh? Trying to remember what the funny word I had uh, autocorrected on me the other day was. I was trying to write cadet camp for my uh, son, and instead it came up Vader. Vader camp, yes. He's going to Vader camp so he can learn how to live in a machine and pretend he's people's father. Come home and tell me he's my father? That'd really mess me up. Brian Lilly, Beyond the News, acting silly on a Friday night because I can. That's essentially what it comes down to. Uh, but I do want to to give a shout-out. Uh, I've been hosting the Ezra Levant Show for the past couple of days on uh, the Rebel.media, and that's because Ezra is out for Passover. He's taking a few days off. He He's still, you know, I heard him on with Evan Solomon earlier today. He's still, he can't stop himself, but he's not hosting a show. He, he's scaling back, let's say. And so to everyone celebrating Passover, have a great Seder meal, enjoy friends and family. And I just want to play this little bit of audio of uh, Jordana Miller, ABC News in Jerusalem. She's talking about how the the Jewish holidays, um, unfortunately in Israel, they're actually looking for a spike in violence. Um, as they they get set. Israel is on high alert ahead of the Jewish holiday of Passover, which begins at sundown. The West Bank and Gaza border crossings have been shut for the next two days. Restricting Palestinian entry into Israel is common during major Jewish holidays. What's not is the decision to beef up security forces across the country for the entire eight-day holiday. It's a response to Monday's Jerusalem bus bombing by a Hamas member and months of violence here. Jordana Miller, ABC News, Jerusalem. It's really sad that that's what it has to come down to. Uh, Passover, unlike Earth Day, an actual holy day, an actual holiday for an actual religion. Although, I, I gotta say, the modern globalist environmental movement has all the trappings of a religion. They got their own creed, uh, they have their own holidays, they've got their own saints. Yeah, we were just talking about a bunch of them Suzuki, Gore, Trudeau now. He's got to be a saint to the environmental movement for sure. Uh, Catherine McKenna, who was on this station earlier, she's she's a maybe she's like Mother Teresa was a little while ago. She's just a blessed. She's got to work her way up to being fully canonized as a saint. But I think I think Trudeau got Santo Sabuto. You know, he got it right away. Donald Trump. Speaking of saints, Donald Trump is. I don't know if you heard him the other day. He said he's going to change towards being so presidential, it will bore you. He will bore everyone by being so presidential. And this is, part of his appeal has been his bombast. So I don't know how this is going to play out. But I do know that at times, party officials in the Republican Party have been concerned about Trump being a little too aggressive, a little too loose with the lips, a little too offensive, you might say. Like I said, that's been part of his appeal. People saying, yeah, that guy tells it like it is. Well, now, as we hear from AP's Jackie Quinn, 
we've got Trump hiring new campaign staff. He's letting the people that got him to this point so far, he's letting some of them go because he's realizing even though he's winning the popular vote, he may not win the delegate count the way he should have because he didn't realize how the rules were. But he's also got an advisor that's telling the GOP that Trump is ready to change his image for the rest of the campaign. Senior aide Paul Manafort told GOP leaders gathered in Florida that Donald Trump had to display a certain persona to win over voters. But now that he's projected the image he wanted, he'll evolve into a more serious candidate. In the closed-door session, Manafort says they'll have Trump issuing a formal policy speech next week. And he says the billionaire businessman is prepared to raise money for the Republican National Committee. I'm Jackie Quinn. The transformation, the 360, will be huge. Thanks, Stephen. I stole your line. Uh, by the way, Stephen working the, uh, the board tonight. He told me the other day, because Sanders, and, Sanders is from Flatbush uh, in the Brooklyn area of New York. Trump is from Queens. But they both say huge the same way. So I'm talking about this, and we're playing some Sanders the other night. And Stephen gets in my ear. He says, you've got to look up the basketball coach for the Syracuse Orangemen. He's like Bernie Sanders' little brother. He's right. I can't remember his name now. I don't have it in front of me. But he, you just Google Syracuse Orangeman basketball coach. You're like, that's Bernie Sanders' younger brother who learned how to get a haircut and buy a comb. That's about the only difference. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. When we come back, Todd Brown on the scary bill brought about by Senator Crazy Pants on Parliament Hill. You won't believe it. This is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Follow the outrage on Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Give it to me, I'm worth it. Baby, I'm worth it. Oh, I'm worth it. Give me, give me, I'm worth it. Give it to me, I'm worth it. So the uh, spring turkey hunt opens on Monday. I will not be participating, but maybe by the fall I'll get all that paperwork sorted out and all of that, and we shall see. But there is a bill that's been tabled in the Senate. It's brought in by a woman that I um, often refer to as Senator Crazy Pants. Her name is Senator Celine Hervieu-Payette, and she I call her Senator Crazy Pants. Uh, nobody call in and call me sexist. I call her that because she's a crazy lefty. She is... Uh, On the far left, even for the Liberal Party, I don't think they give her an awful lot of credit, an awful lot of time, even before they kicked out all the Senate Liberals. But she's got a new bill called S-223, and it aims to change what firearms can be legally owned in Canada. I want to bring on my friend Todd Brown. He is a former firearms instructor. He's someone who's been around guns his whole life and is currently the executive director of FIRE, Firearms Institute for Rational Education. Uh, Todd, welcome to Beyond the News. Well, thank you for having me, Brian. You were writing about this on The Rebel the other day, uh, Bill S-223, because you also, you're one of our many Rebel bloggers. Uh, Fill us in on on what's the issue, because I've received a lot of emails from listeners. I've received tweets, people saying, when are you going to talk about 223? This is scary. This is, this is a problem for us. Why? Oh, it, it's a big problem. Um, you know, on the funny side here, uh, it, it's interesting that it was uh, named 223 because that's also the caliber of the ammunition used by most of the forces. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's uh, it's interchangeable. Yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. Um, well, the the big changes that she's doing is the definitions to uh, the term uh, restricted firearm and non-restricted firearm. She wants to turn those different definitions to what she calls a hunting firearm for a non-restricted firearm and a circumscribed firearm for a restricted firearm. Uh, that that would sound reasonable to a lot of people, Todd. They would say, I have no problem with the hunting rifle, but you don't need these assault weapons. Well, the problem is her definition of a hunting firearm is very limited. In what um, way? It, it, see, it seems to imply that what she's got here, um, that you'll only be able to hunt with shotguns, smoothbore black powder, and 24, 22 rimfire rifles. Okay, hold on. What's smoothbore black powder? Okay, that's uh, muzzle loader, muzzle loading firearms. For those that don't know. Hmm. Okay. So that that takes us back. We're going to, to muskets. Basically, <laughs> you know, and then uh, shotguns. Now you can hunt big game with shotguns if you have a slug uh, in, in as part of the ammunition, but you also have to be within uh, fifty yards of the animal to be able to do it. Now, not many people. Uh, have the talent or the inclination to hunt with something like that. Has she explained why she's trying to do this to her? Is it about safety or does she think this will make people safer? You know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Her, her explanations on this are, are screwy at best. Um, you know, her def- definition of the circumscribed firearm, which is, would, would, which would replace the uh, restricted category is, um, it would basically ban anything that's uh, center fire and semi-automatic. So your semi-automatics would be banned right there. Okay. Um, there, there's no mention in the, her definition of a hunting firearm of center fire rifles, which would lead me to uh, presume that uh, if it's not uh, called a hunting firearm, it would be put in the circumscribed firearm category which would effectively ban anything that's centerfire. So, uh, all right. So let, let's talk in terms a lot of people can understand. A 303, a 306, a 308, these are common hunting rifles. Would they be banned? Yes, they would, because they're all, they all uh, use centerfire cartridges. Hmm. There's, two, there's uh, several different types, types of cartridges. There's uh, uh, the sh- uh, cartridges used for shotgun. Um, there's rimfire, and there's centerfire. Centerfire are generally the large bore rifles. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. It does. I, I'm also, I, I understand a lot of what you're saying. I'm just trying to make sure that people that aren't in, immersed in firearms know what we're talking about. I don't want to lose people in, in technical speak. Yeah. yeah the, so yeah, what, what she's trying to do is take away the type of rifles uh, that have been used for generations in this country. Without a problem. I, mean, I, I don't hear of people using a three oh eight to hold up a corner store. I don't know about where you live, Todd. You're out in Alberta. I mean, you, yeah, you guys no, are just cowboys, so you probably ride in on your horse and point <laughs> the, uh, the the Remington uh, um, lever, action lever action at the, uh, you know, you, you ride in like Rifle Man and you hold up the store like that, right? Sure. That would, Senator, <laughs> that would be Senator Crazy Pants' version of Alberta. It could be. But I, I don't, so the, I don't the, presume to understand how she thinks. But these are not the types of firearms that are used in in crime. 
No, they're not. Absolutely not. So no, it must be frustrating for you then. It, it is. It, you know, when I see a bill like this come through, and, you know, th- this is only the start of it. You know, once she redefined this um, and effectively banned all these firearms, now she wants to start a central storage system. Oh, so right. I'd forgotten about that, is, that part. Yeah, anything that is uh, put under the circumscribed firearm uh, category is now going to have to be stored at a central storage facility. Oh, and it gets better. Not only will you have uh, not be able to access it from your home anymore, but now you'll have to get a third party to go get this gun for you that you can only shoot at the range that you can't handle unless it's at a range. Hold on. So it gets stored at a central depot, but then you can't pick it up. You've got to go pay somebody else to pick it up? Correct. I don't understand. This is a, a, a solution in search of a problem. I would say so. Okay. Um, look, I, I, I've i paid attention to Senator, uh, her view pay it over the years because she comes up with crazy ideas. But I've also learned that they tend not to go anywhere. Uh, she's brought up gun control measures before. She's tried to ban spanking. She has done all kinds of things that most folks in Parliament, Senate or Commons, just they reject. They're like, no, this is nuts. We're not doing it. Have you have you heard about her getting support on this? Because I'm just going to suspect that it's only going to sit there. Well, I'm hoping it only sits there. Um, my concern is that uh, somebody else in the House might pick up ideas from her bill and continue on with them in the House. That is my concern, and that's why uh, I'm working to get this thing killed as quickly as possible. So what can people do if they want to um, want to have a say on this? Get a hold of your uh, your senators. There's uh, there's lists of senators. Uh, email them. Tell them this is really a, a, a crock of garbage and uh, it shouldn't go anywhere. Try and get it killed in the Senate before it goes any further. Before it even um, gets to the House. That's correct. So in... Ontario, you're a senator at large. You technically have a district, or you can have a district name, like Senator um, uh, Senator uh, uh, Jimmy. What, what's his last name now? He's going to kill me. Jimmy Munson. Uh, he, I believe he calls himself the senator from Ottawa, Rideau, or something to that effect, because he, he lives near the canal. And, uh, you know, it's a nice little touch. Uh, what about Alberta? Are they senators at large that represent the whole province as well? Because it, well, it's because different by the province. Yeah, well, senators are are uh, appointed; they're not elected. So you know, it's, well, in Quebec, uh, in Quebec next door, they have actual districts. Um, I'm not exactly sure how that that works in Alberta, but uh, the the general consensus and what people are starting to do now is they have the lists of uh, senator emails and whatnot, and they are starting a mass email campaign okay. to. Uh, make senators aware of this. Uh, all I will say on that, Todd, is uh, and to anyone listening that wants to, to do uh, be involved is to be polite, be to the point, it, don't ramble. If, if you're too long, they're not going to listen or they'll read partway through and stop. But be polite. Don't call them idiots. Don't, don't swear at them. Uh, that, that, that'll get you nowhere because a lot of these people, th- this will be the first time they hear about it. Quite frankly, yeah. Uh, is yeah. there? Can they go to your website to get these lists of senators, or where can you find them? Um, they've just started popping up, and I haven't been able to uh, 
put out any any lists so far. All right. Well, but uh, but when you go, if you go on online to the uh, uh, to the Parliament websites, uh, they're there. All right. Uh, parl.gc.ca. That's the place to go to uh, to find all your MPs and senators. Todd, thanks for the time. Thank you very much for for having me. And uh, just tell everybody keep your uh, your comments uh, to. Half a page, no more. Remember, these people are very busy and they don't have time to be reading over 10-page dissertations. <laughs> no, no, they don't. All right. Todd, uh, Todd Brown is the executive director for FIRE, the Firearms Institute for Rational Education, joining us tonight from Alberta. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that I, I get involved and, uh, and speak about these issues, people, is that I think that gun owners are unfairly targeted and there's a, a, a loss of there's a fundamental injustice in how they're treated. I think this bill would exacerbate that, and it's a bad idea. But maybe you've got different ideas. You can call me about that at the top of the hour when we open up the phone lines, or you can email me beyond the news at CFRA.com. Got to take a break right now, but back in moments. is Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. Get some FaceTime with Brian. Join the resistance at facebook.com slash 580CFRA. So I've lived in uh, some of the most urban environments in the country. Downtown Toronto, downtown Hamilton. Lived in not quite downtown, but not quite suburban Montreal. Travel to all these places across the country and you you get to know downtowns and it's great. You get to walk everywhere and you don't have to rely on a car. But the fact is most of us live, especially as you you get older, you move out to the suburbs. Why? Because you can afford a piece of property there that is uh, bigger than a postage stamp. And so most people end up driving wherever they need to go. I recently bought a car again because public transit, well, Finishing the show at 10 o'clock at night, public transit being less than reliable at that time, all of these things. So I, I can understand walkers, I can understand bus riders, I can understand car drivers. I've been all of them, and at different times I still am. But the traffic situation in this city is getting insane. It already is crazy, it's just getting worse. And it's only going to be exacerbated on Monday when they shut down an entire lane of Nicholas and then they divert the express buses off of what used to be the transit way onto both Nicholas and or King Edward. Yeah, what could go wrong with that? Sending the 90, I think they're sending the 95 and the 98 up King Edward. That'll work out great, won't it? All because we're spending billions to put in LRT and understandably there has to be a bit of pain. But already Slater, Albert, Queen is a constant mess. All the main roads in downtown are already a constant mess. I know that city officials just want everyone to get out of their car, but that is not going to happen. Not now, not ever. Earlier today, Rob Snow on News and Views had a chance to speak with Cumberland Councillor Stephen Blay about the headaches going on in the city on this issue right now. Now, you're uh, obviously an East End councillor. A lot of uh, constituents will be affected by the 
the major construction that's uh, going to be happening uh, along Nicholas and that entire Ottawa U area because of light rail. So uh, outline what's happening and what your advice uh, to your constituents would be. Sure. Well, uh, what's happening is uh, kind of the, the most important, the busiest part of the transitway uh, has to be closed now so that they can begin the transition to uh, lay the tracks and the other work needed to convert it to light rail. And so buses between uh, uh, between Lees and, and basically Laurier uh, will no longer have access to that transitway and will have to, uh, have to use Nicholas to get back up towards the uh, the entryway, I guess, to the the Mac Bridge to get through downtown, and so uh, what we're doing is the bu- the buses as they get off uh, the 417, instead of using the uh, the quick slip ramp they use now to get onto the uh, onto the transitway, they'll be uh, uh, taking the Nicholas exit uh, like everyone else. Okay. Uh, short shortly after you enter Nicholas, uh, a new bus lane or the right hand lane will become a bus lane. Uh, to provide them a clear path to uh, the intersection of Laurier so they can make those turning movements uh, basically as they do today, just uh, geometry changes, changes a little bit. That's obviously going to cause uh, some delays, uh, both for uh, for some bus riders, but also for uh, for people who commute by car every day. Um, I think we would all agree Nicholas is already uh, uh, very congested uh, at peak times, and and this is definitely going to be a challenging uh, challenging. Uh, few years as we deal with this okay uh, now added bus time for people who take the bus in from from orleans and beyond then uh, do you have have your staff given you an average uh, you know to to plan for how much extra time it might take to to get into the core council yeah so the about six percent of of bus users are going to see a change of one to four minutes and uh, that really depends on um, the time of day, you know, obviously if you're in rush hour, it's, it's likely to be a little bit longer than uh, than in the middle of the day, but between one to four minutes change. Uh, the best thing for residents to do who take the bus is to visit OZTransport.com and use the travel planner. Uh, enter in your, your starting point and, and where you want to end, and it will provide you the best options uh, to have the quickest commute uh, for the time of day you're looking at. Okay. So for motorists, those who uh, drive their cars in, I, I think your advice would be, don't don't use Nicholas. Yeah, right? if you Just... can avoid. Yeah, absolutely. If if you can avoid Nicholas uh, at all, um, you you should absolutely try to avoid Nicholas. You know, there you can use the you can use the Vanier Parkway if you're coming from east uh, before, or keep on going past and, and get off at Metcalf and use Elegant or Metcalf or, or Bank Street to get into get into the city if if at all possible. Avoid Nicholas, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's. Um... Northbound and southbound Nicholas, right? Affected, right? Both, yeah, basically, it, both of those are going to be, there's going to be a dedicated bus lane and then only one other lane of traffic, right? Yeah, the the, the southbound one is, is slightly different. The dedicated bus lane doesn't start right away. So uh, from Laurier South, it'll be two lanes of car traffic until the, uh, until the westbound ramp for cars peels off. And shortly after that peel off, the inside lane that goes around the loop that will be a bus-only lane, and it will kind of lead into the bus lane that's already existing on the 417. And so cars will be in that outside uh, in that outside lane. And uh, people who use that now know that there's not a lot of room there. The Jersey barriers have been kind of been creating an artificial narrowing, but uh, yeah. there will be enough room for the two lanes through the bottom of that loop uh, starting on Sunday. And how long is it going to be like that? 
It's going to be like this until we open the Confederation line. In, so in that's it. It's kind of kind of the end of an era then. <laughs> this is this is the end of the era. Yeah, this will be the last uh, the last trips on the transitway for buses. Uh, and uh, next time the transitway opens up, it will be uh, it'll be uh, light rail. Okay. Good to hear from you, sir. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. Yep. You too, Councillor Stephen Blay, the Cumberland Ward Councillor, chairs the Transit Commission. And all of that starts, uh, well, it really kind of starts this weekend, and your Monday commute will never be the same. That's it. And stay off Nicholas. Don't say you weren't warned. It is just going to be, uh, well, the citizen this morning calls it the nightmare on Nicholas. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. All right, so nightmare on Nicholas, where do you go? Do you get off on Metcalf if you're coming from the East End? Uh, okay, so you start heading up Metcalf. There's constantly little blockages. On Metcalf and O'Connor, there's constantly little blockages all the time trying to get in or out of downtown. It's as if they want people not to come downtown or only to come by bus, except now they've made coming by bus ever more difficult. The city is going to be a mess. I, I, I hope it's pretty when it's all done. I really, really do. But between now and 2018... Anytime you have to come downtown, it's going to be hell. And some of you are sitting there thinking, great, I never go there. I never want to. But there's plenty of people that have to for work, whether you're a civil servant, you work in the banking industry or any of the offices downtown or broadcasting like me. It has to happen. And I just feel like there was a lack of thought and planning into what this would do for people that have to drive or for the transit users again. Part of my reason for getting off the bus, the disaster that's coming. I hope it's worth it in the end, but I won't be able to pass judgment on that for quite a while. When we come back, your phone calls, 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'll still be throwing topics out there as well, but uh, it's going to be a free-for-all Friday. Friday night when we come back, party with the B-Lil, hashtag BTN. In a world gone mad, there must be resistance. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. Well, happy Earth Day. How are you celebrating? It is the holiest of holy days. I feel like I should sing a hymn. Maybe the Gloria. Hmm? Not the Gloria from, you know, every Sunday Mass. Maybe we'll go for the Gloria from from Christmas. In Excelsius Trudeau. Would that work? Oh. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I, uh... I want to hear from you on any of the topics that we've discussed all week or whatever's on your mind. It is a Friday free-for-all. But I will throw out a, a couple more things. There's been a lot of talk about Prince. And maybe he's not your cup of tea. But I just want to say that pop music gets a bad rap sometimes. It's not described as high art enough. I actually think that music is incredibly important. It's why 
keep changing up songs that intro the show, looking for good songs that intro the show. Music touches people at a very basic place. And I, I heard Rob earlier today asking people, and unfortunately I couldn't stay in the car uh, to find out all you know, what people were saying. I got to hear a bit of Lowell talking about it. But he was asking, you know, what, what was, was there a performer whose passing really touched you? And you have to wonder, why do these people touch us so deeply? It's because music is the soundtrack of our life. Music brings emotions back quicker than anything else. There's a, a great movie, if you like popcorn rom-coms, called uh, Music and Lyrics. came out several years ago. And, uh, well, my IMDb tells me it'll be airing Wednesday, April 27th on HBO. But it came out in 2007. stars Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore. And Hugh Grant is a washed-up old singer, old as in he's above 40. And he used to be this chart-topping part of a pop duo. It's loosely based on Wham, if you remember that far back. And then he pairs up with a, a younger woman who has a flair for writing, but she wants to be a serious writer, and she is utterly depressed because someone stole her work idea and trashed her, her name. And she doesn't think working with him on writing a pop song is quite as good as writing a deep novel. And there's this great little exchange they have sitting in a cafe as she is utterly depressed and brooding. And he's been through some of this, but he says, look, pop songs do matter. Get the best revenge. Write a hit song. Honestly, I don't think a pop song is going to impress Sloan Gates. No, no, of course not. No, because pop is just for morons. Forgot that. I didn't mean Brain anything dead. by it. Taking too many drugs. You know what? You know what I would say to you and to Mr. Sloan Cates? I'd say that you can take all the novels in the world and not one of them will make you feel as good, as fast as I got sunshine on a cloudy day. When it's cold outside, I got the month of May. That is real poetry. Those are real poets. Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Bob Dylan, the Beatles. Isn't it true? It's not only poetry, it's not only magical, it makes you feel good, or it makes you feel wistful, or it makes you feel sad. My daughter heard the um, song by Jason Blaine, Dance With Your Daughter, today. This is my youngest girl. She started bawling at the idea that a daddy had danced with, her do- with his daughter, but one day she'd leave him. She's 12. She said she's never going to leave. Pulls on my heartstrings a little bit. What about you? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Love to hear your thoughts on Earth Day. Uh, Jeremy's writing in about the issue of the the gun bill. He says, Brian, how do you think I feel about the crazy gun ideas of the senator in question? Well, Jeremy's someone who went through some very rough stuff and had a crazy story happen to him and ended up losing all his firearms, and that... That could, if you called in one day, Jeremy, Jeremy, or we sat down, your story could take a very long time to tell. Rather complex. But one of the many people who's faced injustice because they're, they were law-abiding gun owners and someone decided to, to target them. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. And maybe you've got your own thoughts. Maybe you want to call in and talk about the traffic. Maybe you don't care about people that have to drive downtown. 
I kind of have a self-interest in that. I need, I need to drive downtown. And I, I don't think the city's done the best job they can in planning this out. Always knew it was going to be difficult, but it's getting more difficult by the day. And then at the same time, losing several hundred parking spots in the Byward Market as the weather gets better. It's a little crazy. George in Arnprior. Speaking of crazy, George, how are you? I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to prove sane tonight. Watch this one. <laughs> you, know, you, know, uh, you say you get beyond the news, right? Yeah. Okay, here's, here's how I go beyond the news. In regards to tobacco and marijuana, okay. Mm-hmm. On the tobacco packages, they put on these uh, all of these, these organ things, right? Yeah, it'll kill you. It'll make yeah, okay. your heart awful. Now, it'll, it'll make certain parts for men not work. Do you consider the placebo effect woo-woo? Do I consider the placebo effect what? Woo-woo, like UFOs and stuff. Do you consider no, it? no. Okay, you consider it saying, right? Yeah. Okay, if they put those things on the packages and they're going to tell you you're going to get it, what percentage of the people will get the disease because of placebo? <laughs> no, 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 number two is the uh, effect here. You're dealing with marijuana. Now, marijuana, is, by the authorities, are told they turn into losers and, and all kinds of stuff eh, because of the, the research. Yeah. What percentage of the research do the people turn into be stupid because of the placebo effect? I don't think that's how the placebo effect works. Oh, no, yes, it does. It does because, that... you, because the authorities are telling you one thing and you follow what, what they tell you because they're an authority and you develop it. So you develop a psychology of a loser. Or, or you just smoke enough pot that you stop bathing and then people don't want to be near you. No, but you understand what I mean. So let me ask you this, though, George. We've been spending all this time trying to get people to stop smoking cigarettes, mm-hmm. and now we're going to legalize marijuana, and they're going to set up to sell it. Are they – the federal government's looking at moving to plain uh, white packaging for tobacco. So, you know, no more players girl on the front. None of that. You can, oh, only, have, you can, only, have, you can only have plain white, probably black letter packaging – Will they do the same for marijuana, or will they have hip and funky designs, and will branding be allowed? It's all about money. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Thanks for the call, George. Bye. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Call in now, 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility. And if you're, you're from out of town, I know some of you are listening on the interwebs, 1-800-580-CFRA. That's 1-800-580-2372. Back in moments. Some days, the resistance verges on rebellion. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. It's a relaxed Friday night here on Beyond the News. Hashtag BTN. Beyond the News with BLO. I'm wearing my, uh, my cap from the CSSA, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association. Got that a while ago. I'll be speaking at their event in sometime in May, I believe. And a little bit sooner than that, I will be speaking at an event. It, follow me on Facebook or Twitter for all the details. The Canada Carleton Conservative Association. I believe that's on May 7th. So, But I'm reading this uh, caliber, which comes from the CSSA, uh, they got reviews of four rifles less than 500 bucks, and what every boy wanted as a kid, they're showing you an actual flamethrower. I don't think you can legally have one of those in Canada. I'll have to read more of the article. I'm not advocating them. 
But I just know that most boys that I knew, you saw them in the war movies, you're like, that'd be cool. That'd be so awesome. I'd love to have that. Peter, you're on Beyond the News. How are you celebrating Earth Day? Happy Earth Day to you. Yeah, good evening, Brian. Um, actually, I found out about Earth Day from somebody in a coffee shop, and uh, he just uh, blurted out, hey, it's Earth Day. And I said, okay, well, that's great. And I've done nothing at all, absolutely nothing, and I, and I won't do anything until midnight. Uh, but the reason I'm calling uh, Brian is um, you mentioned that Justin Trudeau's been uh, he's been out of the country for about 25 percent of his of his days here, and it was an article in National Post sort of analyzing why he's doing this. And there's a very popular magazine out of Brazil which has came out and called him basically a narcissist, and mm-hmm. that, uh, you know he's not doing much of a job. And then we see Jack McLaren getting, you know, getting taken to the woodshed by Dave Reevely and and uh, Randall Denley for not doing it, which it's just fine, you know. If if these MPPs are not doing anything, you know, it's very hard for the public to find out about these guys just doing nothing and collecting a nice hefty paycheck along with the pension. So I'm I'm all for that, but for the life of me, I don't really understand why Justin's doing this. Um, you know, I, you know what I think it is. I think really he has a, he really has no interest in politics, and I think he's got very little interest in uh, well, you know the the the, the 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 daily grind or the mundane issues. And I think he got into it because he was pushed into it. He said, "Hey, Justin, the crown is yours. We're going to polish the crown and 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 you know make it all shiny. We're going to put it on your head. You're going to get a Learjet uh, in your backyard, and you can take off. And you, you know what I mean?" What's your take on this? A friend sent me a piece by Tom Clark over at Global. Tom hosts uh, the West Block on Global. And he wrote about how he's up front. He opens by saying that 10 years ago, and this is long before Justin Trudeau got into politics, 10 years ago I spent a week trudging through the mountains of B.C. with Justin Trudeau. We got dusted by an avalanche, had an emotional visit to the lake where his brother Michelle died, and we talked a lot. Believe me, you really get to know someone He goes on, though, to talk about the fact that Trudeau seems to think that he has more than Canada at play. And I want to read to you this quote. People close to him today say the transformation from thought to action is unfolding on a big canvas. Not only does he want to be the focus of progressive politics in Canada, he wants to take it global. He wants to be the voice championing liberal causes everywhere. Maybe that's part. I mean, part of it is just basic symmetry, Peter, that all prime ministers have to do. And every couple of years, there's a very yeah. busy fall. And yeah. this year, we, we happen to have one. But there's some of these trips he doesn't have to be taking. But, but he's you know, doing them to boost his own image, I would think, and boost his it, own platform. Exactly. Which it, it just it just. It points to to the narcissism factor. Look, if we if he can't do anything to 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 fix the mundane, simple issues like the Senate or or what have you, or, or <laughs> the Senate's simple not law, simple. You know, uh, well, you know, uh, there's there's lots of other mundane issues yeah. that are not terribly complicated that he could spend a little bit of time and get things done. So it just you know, if he can't do these mundane, simple things, uh, what in the world makes him think that he's going to be able to uh, wave his magic wand? Uh, and 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 create these world-shaking events. Uh, you know, I think he he watched Obama win the election. I think he really and it, he's read the, uh, the 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 Kool he drank the Kool Aid from Maurice Strong, you know, with the China comments. And I just strike me as a lot of naivety there. And um, you know, and New York is working background. 
uh, no executive experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I would love to be a fly on the wall in some of these cabinet meetings and, see, <laughs> you know, and just see how much uh, ego stroking and uh, BSing is going on around the table. Well, it, that would be fascinating for sure. Love to be a fly on the wall there. Thanks for the call, Peter. Yeah. 521 Talk, 521 8255, Star 580 on Bell Mobility. John's calling in about music. John, do you, do you think I'm, I'm on to something about how deeply music can touch us all? Oh, absolutely. I remember that I had two sort of epiphanies in my life, one at the age of three and at the age of four. My father was very much into classical music, which I didn't mind, and I still enjoy it. But we had just gotten our TV in 1956. And one morning I turned, I was three, I turned on the TV, and there's this fantastically beautiful woman coming out. Uh, was it the dressed... music, John, or was it the oh, woman? It, it, <laughs> I don't know. At that age, I wasn't quite sure. But in any case, I liked both. This was Dinah Shore. Okay. And gosh, she was a beautiful singer. And she sang just beyond belief beautiful. And so I was smitten, still am, by Dinah Shore, and I play her music still. And it was sort of a counterpoint because there was a lot going on in my life then. As a little kid, we were moving, and then we did move. And then came the second epiphany. I I disobeyed my parents. Our street wasn't paved yet out in the suburb here. There was dust and dirt all over the place, so I was told not to leave it, so I did. And I walked around (laughs) the corner, and I heard this strange sound coming from a car. Now, I want to explain something to the younger set. In the 1950s, a lot of parents forbade their teenagers from listening to rock and roll inside the house. So what a lot of teenagers did was listen to it in the street on a car radio. Okay. So I heard this this sound going, and I'd never heard anything like it at all. It was Dinah Shore. It was something really different. And you talk about you know the, the, the soundtrack of your life. And, of course, I went up to the car, and it was a 49 Merc, like I later recognized they had in Rebel Without a Cause. Fantastic. Very, very popular among the teenagers of the day, and also a very kind of risky thing to do. And I heard this sound, and they were all teenage boys, and I was four. And one of, the, sort of, one of them sort of looked askance at me, but the other said, oh, let the kid listen to this. And I said, what is this? He said, this is Buddy Holly. Oh, and it's and they're playing Peggy Sue, and again, I to this day I'm a big fan of Buddies, and I just can't get over that that in that place, which is kind of miserable and hot, that I heard this. I um, I, I still have Buddy Holly on vinyl. Yes, and uh, I don't know if you caught last night. Joe, I was speaking with um with Nancy Slater about Prince, and she said Prince is on her Desert Island Discs, and that's something that back in the days of records we used to talk about. Oh, yeah. If you're stranded on a desert island, what five records would you bring? Absolutely. Uh, Buddy Holly, you know, he would definitely be vying for a position on there. I haven't done up a, a top five Desert Island Discs in quite a while. I'll have to do that sometime just for fun. But uh, his greatest hits collection and I think a lot of them would be greatest hits collections that I bring, just so you could hear all your favorite songs from the artists that made the cut. Well, to me, Peggy Sue is the, uh, you know, I can understand people's fondness for other things. Later on, I sort of admired the Beatles for a while, but Peggy Sue, Dinah Shore cuts through it all for a, a female singer, and Peggy Sue cuts through it all for rock and roll still after all these years. So I think you're quite right. Music is the soundtrack and the counterpoint to your life. Right. And if you ever want to put on a piece, if you ever put on Peggy Sue, I personally wouldn't object. 
I, I'll consider that. And I, I've never really listened to Dinah Shore, so I'll have to check that out. Thanks oh, for the call, Oh, you've got to. She is fantastic. I, I listen to a lot of the classics. i got Rosemary Clooney on my phone. Yep, she's great, too. She's on my phone. Yep. Not a lot of people have that on their playlist. Uh, but I'll have to check out Dinah Shore. Thanks for the call, John. Uh, Jim writes in that pop music is comfort for food for the ears. I grew up with Teenage Head. I bet you had a Bay City Rollers poster in your room. Actually, I didn't, but my older cousin, Audrey, was mad, mental mad for the Bay City Rollers. Beyond the news, call in now. 521-TALK. Back in moments. To you, he's rebellious. To official Ottawa, he's disdainfully insubordinate. You're listening to Beyond the News with Brian Lilly on News Talk 580 CFRA. So the magazine I was reading mentioned it earlier, Caliber, the Canadian firearms magazine, they've they've got a review of the SIG P320. Lots of you, that's going to mean nothing. But you remember the the pistol that Ottawa City Councillor Jody Middick got into trouble for tweeting a picture about? People thought it was horrible. (gasps) That's the pistol. And uh, they give it very high marks. I know Councillor Middick took it to the range a little while ago. I think he liked it. I really do. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. A little while, I'm going to tell you a story. You may have heard about it already, but a a mother interrogated by uh, Child and Family Services because she let her children play in their own backyard, unsupervised. One of the kids was 10. Yeah, yeah. You won't believe the details. we get into that in a little bit. Gloria in Ottawa, you're on Beyond the News. Hello there, Brian. Good evening. How you doing? Okay. It's You're Friday fouled. night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yahoo. <laughs> or woohoo, is it? That's the new sound Woo. coming off these ads. Woohoo. Listen, I do I do want to talk about this this carbon tax, but I also would like to mention something quickly about the traffic congestion in the, in downtown. Mm-hmm. And I I know, I feel I know how to get approximately 17,000 cars off the downtown roads. What's that? Uh, well, I want to, want to have all 17,000-plus employees at City Hall, including Mr. Watson and the councillors, either bike, take a bus, or walk to work each day all year round, regardless of the weather and regardless of any appointments they may have, shopping that they have to do, or family to pick up. I, I remember talking to some counselors who were pushing heavy. Is going back years ago, so I'm not going to attempt to to remember them exactly which one said which, but mm-hmm. this topic did come up. And it's like, okay, well, why do you drive to work when you show up at council and you lecture everyone else not to drive downtown? Well, I have appointments. Yeah, exactly. Um, so do yeah. lots of people. Yeah. Not everyone. Absolutely not everyone. And so sometimes park and ride is a good way to go. Um, but you know what? But for the most part, you know, for the most part. I mean, people have people have a life to lead. And and it doesn't revolve around uh, just just work. I I, I find there, there, there's such small visions, no no thinking at all. And I also want this apply to Mr. Chernichenko, and and the staff at the NAC because they're they're pushing for this constantly too. So you know my my uh, um, the NAC makes an awful lot of money off parking. They'd be foolish to do that. Well, you know the the. the, the 
the thing is, the thing is, it's it's. I don't know how my, much staff. I'm just talking about their staff. They should lead all all uh, city or city employees should lead by example. That's my point. <laughs> okay, you wanted to mention the carbon tax as yes, well. Please. Um, it, yes, it, it's gonna it's gonna bite you. Yes, I know. Do you know what the thing is? Um, you, I remember, if I'm not mistaken, you had mentioned that Ontario's carbon output now was below 98 levels. No, 1990 just, levels. Oh, 1990. What, what are, are the levels? Like, where, where would a person find this information? And, and what are the numbers? You know, if, if, if you, oh. you would have them. I, I won't put you on the I, spot now. But I, it, I have quoted them before, and I've got them somewhere. But l- okay. let me just say that the population's grown by, uh, I think we're at about 10 million back then. So mm-hmm. we've grown by several million people, and yeah, the carbon exactly. output is smaller. Now, part of that is due to bad news. We've chased away an awful lot of industry. But, oh, I know. But I know. we've also been more efficient in how we use energy as well. So... Exactly. Why, why the ongoing push? But exactly. She, uh, exactly. Kathleen Wynne is going to have her price on carbon. The parliamentary budget officer says it has to be a hundred dollars um, uh, a ton, which is what? higher than than anybody's been talking about. So that that's going to end up costing all of us a lot of money. This what uh, my my point is this. I'd like to know what happened to the science based facts and figures that this uh, uh, environmental minister, uh, Kathleen McKenna, promised to show us. Oh. Because it's time for this Trudeau, pie-in-the-sky liberal government to show the Canadian people the facts and figures to justify this carbon tax. It's faith. It's faith, Gloria. It's religion. It it is about uh, following the creed. Following well, the dogma and and don't don't let facts get in the way. Well, there has to be because, like you said, this tax will have a this will be a crippling and a devastating effect on every business and person in Canada. And these these uh, there will be huge increases on absolutely everything that we buy. And and Ab- I don't know where the outrage by the Conservatives and, and the NDP is. They should demand scientific data to justify this tax. And what? the left-wing media, they should be demanding the same thing because it's going to f- uh, affect all left-wingers too. And and it's, it's like they think they're exempt. Well, I, I don't think they'll question that because they'll just, they don't want to be called climate deniers. Gloria, got to run. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Let's go to uh, Sean calling in about, um, oh, my favorite senator. Sean calling in from Quinty West about Senator Crazy Pants. A blessed and holy earth day to you, Brian. Yeah, peace be upon you. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you celebrate Earth Day? Uh, Well, I sang the Gloria earlier and, uh, uh, you know, some hymns, and uh, and I prayed to uh, Suzuki and Trudeau and Gore. Oh, that's, that's not bad. Yeah, I uh, I jumped on my ATV and I uh, went out in the woods and scared some squirrels. <laughs> well, you know, and still your carbon footprint uh, smaller than uh, than Trudeau, who's in New York now, but flying out to Kananaskis country, beautiful area outside of uh, of Calgary. That Kananaskis uh, uh, country is where they had the G eight many years ago. And do you remember the um, the trouble with having the G eight or the G twenty? And everything down in Toronto, and all the fights that were going on. 
just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so there yeah. was a lot of riots and stuff. And I remember interviewing Senator Percy Down, who had worked in Kretchen's office when Kretchen hosted the G8 uh, in Kananaskis. It's a little bit remote. There's a lot of woods and a lot of bears. And Senator Down said, I don't know why they're having this in Toronto. It's costing us a fortune for security. They should have just had it in Kananaskis like we did and let the bears handle security. <laughs> I, I was going to suggest that I, I was hoping that they would uh, maybe go out and do a little bear watching, and uh, you know maybe the bears would take care of things for us. But uh, so, what are, we'll your, get... what are your thoughts on the good senator and her bill to um, uh, basically completely restrict gun owners? Well, first of all, I, I want to wish her a long and happy retirement because she, uh, I believe, she turned seventy-five yesterday. Um, and that's the mandatory retirement age for the Senate, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so happy retirement to her. My, my, I'm a, oh, wow, you're right. I did not realize that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I knew it was coming. I did not realize that she, uh, no, today she turned 75 today. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Absolutely, and enjoy that seventy-five percent pension as well. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be nice. Yeah, um, as a law-abiding gun owner, it 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 scares me um, a little bit, um, not a lot. And it, you know, you you know, many gun owners were not people that 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 the country needs to be afraid of. Um, it, it, it is the gangs, the criminals, but like you've said many times, you know, the government doesn't know how to control them, so they try to control us. But that's, that's not really kind of why I called. My concern with this is that there has been so much talk. I mean, we call her Senator Crazy Pants. Um, we, we dismiss her right out of the gates, her and her bill. And there's a very good chance it, it will never pass. It probably won't. It may not even reach second reading. Um, it, it's just going to languish and die on the books. But bad my, ideas don't die. Well, this is the thing, and this is my concern, because everyone I talk to says, oh, no, she's a, she's a Fruit Loop, what have you. And there's, they don't want to do anything about it. Um, but my concern, and there's a theory out there, and it's not a tinfoil hat theory, it's that the Liberal government is using this bill to, to sort of gauge the response from the public and the government and whoever they gauge responses from to see what they can get away with as far as gun control goes. So if, if we sit back and go, ah, she's not, yeah, whatever, she's retired, and, and we as, as law-abiding gun owners who, who care about our sports and our, our uh, hobby don't don't stand up, write our MPs, write our senators. Then, before you know it, we could be facing a bill from the floor of Parliament, which might look a lot similar. It, and yeah. and then it's too late. All right, I got to run and take Dave's call uh, be- okay, before absolutely. I drive Dave nuts. But let me just say this, uh, Sean. Uh, I, I speak with. Uh, with Cam Edwards down at Cam and Company on uh, NRA Radio, 
And one thing I've learned from those guys is you have to be informed about what's going on all the time. You've got to be informed when you write to your politicians. You've got to lobby them politely, and you have to do it consistently and try and get them on your side so that you don't end up with things like this. And the NRA has been very successful, and not just because they're yeah, – people say, oh, they're just big bullies. That's not it. And by the way, the NRA originally came to Canada to learn how to do some of what they do now. i got to run. That's a story for another day. Thanks for the call. Okay. Let's go to Dave in Ottawa, waiting patiently to talk about the Greenies. Happy oh, Earth Day I have to been you! Waiting patiently. Happy Happy Earth Day to you, Dave. I, I didn't celebrate Earth Day. I celebrated that day for turning off the lights. That that particular day, whatever that was. And you you heated the house with the oven that day. I celebrated by turning on every light in the house: basement, kitchen, living room, all the bedrooms, uh, every every single light. And I kept them out for the whole hour of, of, of that particular day. I wasn't going to turn off my television and miss the hockey game. Oh, man. But these greenies, I, I've been thinking a lot about them. Basically, if they weren't padding their own bank accounts and personal wealth to, and to, to you know, such ludicrous extremes that they are, you know, and it's not just you know being a little more comfortable than they were. These are padding into the hundreds of thousands and maybe millions in our uh, case. I believe Al Gore may be a billionaire at this point. Yeah, you know, on, on, on totally on this whole green thing. More strong. Look at you know, he's as rich as anybody who needs to be. Uh, and, a high school dropout that didn't come from money. Yep. And uh, my thing is, if those guys weren't padding their own personal fortunes. I might pay attention to them. I'm not saying I'll agree. I might pay attention. Mm-hmm. And even if they, were, if they were spending some of their own money to support the cause that they so fervently believed in, again, I might listen. But as long as they're making money hand over fist and, and, and piling onto their own personal fortunes, that tells me what they're in it for. They're in it for the money. Exactly. You know, it's, 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 some say it's a religion, it might be, but they're in it for the money. And Lowell Green always said, follow the money. Dollar bills, dollar bills, dollar bills. That's all it's about. <laughs> now, you mentioned that uh, lady out uh, there with the kids in the backyard. Mm-hmm. I, I think she was just too afraid to do what she should have done. She should have, listen, should have listened. If you don't have a warrant to be here, get out of my bleeping house right now. If child services showed up at my house, Dave... I have to tell you, the power that these people have to destroy your life and the stories I've covered, that's my attitudes towards government officials at all times. But I'm not sure I would treat any child uh, and family services person that way because they can be so powerful. They can do so much damage to you. And uh, it's rather frightening, and they don't seem to have an awful lot of oversight. So. No, and um, they don't seem to, to, to be very rational and reasonable about how they do things. It's the same as the, the, the animal rights. You know, they break into this lady's house because she wasn't taking her dog to the dentist often enough. Oh, I remember that story, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Thank, you Thanks take for care. the call, Dave. Bye-bye. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. Tweet at me. Email me. Beyondthenews at CFRA.com. Give me some B-Lil. Hashtag BN, BTN love. Back in moments. Every revolution starts with a rebel. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA.
just flipping through a little bit of social media in the break. Uh, I hate my sister for the sister uh, picture she's posting of her Caribbean vacation. Uh, the chive is distracting me, and uh, Adam Scotty, who's the official photographer for Justin Trudeau and a fantastic photographer at that, uh, he posted a, a photo of Trudeau having a, a bilateral with French President Francois Hollande in a stairwell at the UN. And if you're on social media like Instagram or Twitter, it's worth following this guy because whether you like Trudeau or not, you'll get insights into what it's like. And it's not always glamour with these guys. He's literally holding a meeting with the French president in a stairwell because that's where they could stand and talk alone. Fascinating. Mike in Ottawa calling in about global warming. You are on Beyond the News. Hi, Brian. I wanted to just point out a couple of things about the myth of global warming. Okay, And when we had a mini ice age in the 1500s to the 1850s, okay, some say 19th century, okay, there was a mini ice age. Mm-hmm. When, when they measure the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, when the temperatures get cooler, there's more CO2 in the atmosphere. In the fall, when the trees start dying, that's when they give off most of the CO2. But the temperature's not rising, it's getting cooler. Also, the coral reefs, coral reefs thrive on two things, heat from the sun and higher uh, ocean levels. The coral reefs have been dying for as long as I can remember, and they would be thriving if we were experiencing global warming. Okay, this is all a myth. They know that when there's more CO2 in the atmosphere, the earth cools. The argument, there's two camps in the global warming argument. One camp says it's caused by CO2. The other camp says that Earth's temperatures change naturally according to the sunspots on the sun. Mm -hmm. And we're we're in a a low period right now. Yeah, and they've went back. It's going to be cold here all summer. Have you checked the temperatures? I checked all the way to the end of June. We're going to be having April's weather in June this year. It's going to stay cool all summer, okay? And this all has to do with the sun. It has nothing to do with CO2. That is all a myth. I I was talking with Dr. Tim Ball. Uh, He lives out in Victoria now. used to be, I believe, the University of Winnipeg, an actual climatologist, one of the early people to to have advanced degrees in this area. He's been arguing sunspots for a long time. Uh, Dr. Patrick Moore, Ph.D. in ecology one of the co-founders of Greenpeace, he will show you the numbers on a chart detailing the rise in carbon levels, CO2 levels. It's, all, it's always shorthanded to carbon now, but he'll show you the difference in um, carbon levels and the temperature. And he says if there was the correlation they claim, it would be vastly different now than it is. Yeah, and, and isn't he the guy who quit? Greenpeace he, he, quit, all this? he quit Greenpeace because he said they stopped believing in science. Got, yes, got yes. to grab one more call before the top of the hour. Thanks for the call, Mike. Let's go to uh, to Wayne in Nepean. You're on Beyond the News, my friend. Hi, Brian Lee. Yep. Uh, I'd like to comment on the climate change uh, agreement that was signed. In, uh, well, it's a uh, glorious day and a holy hallelujah, happy Earth Day to you. It is. Uh, in fact, uh, the problem is that it, it took a little bit uh, different tone uh, with regard to uh, 
scientific, uh, uh, you know, uh, science, actually, if we wanted to define the science, science is observation of observable uh, elements. Mm -hmm. We can observe with our eyes and our senses. That's a science. But these guys are going by faith. And it, like a uh, previous uh, caller uh, named it, it becomes like a religion right now. It's why I keep uh, making religious overtones in my discussion about this. It's unbelievable, Brian. I don't understand. Why does the science abandon the definition of the science and uh, move to the uh, this uh, area of uh, faith and uh, just uh, speculation that don't even uh, give us a proof whether the... Uh, yeah. Climate change has uh, anything to do with the warming of uh, the weather? Or... It's, why, it's why I played Leonardo DiCaprio earlier. He's the one brought in to talk about this to the UN, not a scientist, a, a Hollywood star. Uh, I, I speak to scientists like Dr. Tim Ball, like Dr. Patrick Moore, and others who say it's all a farce. You got 20 seconds to go there, Wayne. Yeah, Brian, could you let the, the listeners mm-hmm. everywhere here in the Ottawa area understand what the definition of uh, science. Okay. Just from the dictionary. I'll read that off when we get back. Thanks for the call, my friend. Uh, I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News. You want to join the conversation now. 521-TALK, 521-8255. Or you can email me, beyondthenews at cfra.com. Back after this. Insurgent, believe it. The resistance is here. Beyond the news with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. Well, Wayne asked me to read out the definition of science, and I'll do that in a little bit. But first, I do want to ask you this is a Friday free for all. So you can call in about any topic, even if I haven't raised it tonight, even if nobody else has raised it. You want to call in and talk to me about the guy yelling at his parrot and uh, the police being called? Maybe a little bit of, a little bit of hooch involved in that, maybe? Uh, feel free to call in on that. Call in on whatever you feel like. Friday free, free for all. 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. But right now, I, I want to go back to the issue of pop music and but any music doesn't have to be pop music, but I, I'm using pop music because we're talking about the passing of Prince since yesterday uh, and because the, the movie that I pulled this clip from, Music and Lyrics, it's with Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore, and he just explains brilliantly to this young woman that thinks art is only a, a deep novel or something really profound, and he says, no, that's not the case at all. Get the best revenge, write a hit song. Honestly, I don't think a pop song is going to impress Sloan Gates. No, no, of course not. No, because pop is just for morons. Forgot that. I didn't mean Brain anything dead. by it. We'll take you too many drugs. You know what? You know what I would say to you and to Mr. Sloan Gates? I'd say that you can take all the novels in the world and not one of them will make you feel as good, as fast as I got sunshine on a cloudy day when it's cold outside. I got the month of May. That is real poetry. Those are real poets. Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, Bob Dylan, the Beatles. So true. 
What is it for you? We heard from John earlier. He said it was Dinah Shore and Buddy Holly. I agree on Buddy Holly. I don't know if about Dinah Shore. But what is it for you? What moves you? Is there an artist? Is there a style of music? Is there a song that brings back memories, that has emotions just flood forward? 521-TALK, 521-8255 or star 580. Jeremy wrote in and said, In 1976, I was in Wimbledon, London, and in the shower when I heard the strains of More Than a Feeling by Boston. I have not been the same man since. Robert writes in, and after a very long tirade, gets to the point about the music. Uh, he, He says, Did I mention I could care less about Prince dying? Prince sucked and Purple Rain could not hold a candle to Purple Haze. Bob Dylan's Greatest Hits was my first album that I bought back in 1974. My, uh, my first album would have been about 77 or 78, Robert. And as I mentioned last week, it was, um, it was Sgt. Pepper's, but unfortunately not the good version, which I now own on vinyl. But uh, back in the late 70s, at Sam the Record Man, I thought I was buying the Beatles, and nobody really read the cover. My dad was just, you know, he's got my brother and I running around his feet. He's looking for his own records. And I'm like, I want to buy this. He said, okay. And I ended up with the soundtrack with um, Steve Martin singing on the Sgt. Pepper's um, Lonely Hearts Club Band movie soundtrack. Horrible movie. Horrible soundtrack. But what about you? Where do you come down on any of this? 521-TALK, 521-8255, or Star 580 on Bell Mobility. Let me throw out another issue for you as well. Mother out of Winnipeg. Let's her three kids play in the backyard. Child and Family Services shows up at the door. They want to know what's going on. They want to interrogate her. They want to know, does she have enough food in the house? No word of a lie. Here's the story from the Canadian press. Child Services grills Winnipeg mom after she let her kids play alone in their fenced-in backyard. A Winnipeg woman says she was reported to and investigated by Child and Family Services simply for letting her children play in her backyard. Jackie Kendrick, a stay-at-home mom, says a CFS worker showed up unexpectedly in early April saying they had received a complaint about her children being unsupervised. Kendrick has three children, ages 2, 5, and 7, and says they often played in her fenced-in backyard after school. Kendrick says she's either with them or watching them from her living room window. Or from her living room. Sorry, I added window there. Though she says her oldest child is also, uh, also helps out by looking after her younger siblings. She also says the grilling she underwent from the CFS worker, or CFS worker left her in tears. The worker was asking me if we've ever dealt with CFS before, what my childhood was like, how I punished my children. She had to look and see where my kids slept. She had to see if we had enough food in the house. CFS officials did not respond to requests for an interview. Winnipeg psychologist Dr. Toby Rutner says children should be as independent as their abilities allow. He says with increased use of the Internet, it has created a situation where everyone feels entitled to give an opinion, but this approach that says everyone's opinion is equal in value, well, that doesn't work.
He calls the case common passive-aggressive behavior, where in the past concerned neighbors would have uh, had to knock on someone's door. Now they can make an anonymous complaint. Kendrick says her children have been well-trained in how to be safe. We've taught both the older kids so far that you have to look after each other. That's kind of the point. The older one should be looking after the younger ones, Kendrick says. My 10-year-old is very responsible. We've taught the older ones already the whole stranger danger, and they know what to do. When my 5-year-old is out there, she knows she's not supposed to go up to the fence. What do you make of that? Someone being called out by a nosy neighbor for letting their kids play in their own backyard? I used to live in a townhouse complex. I let four- and five-year-olds play in front of the house. Now, it was a compound area. The front of the townhouse faced onto a common green area that faced onto backyards of neighbors where the neighborhood kids that my kids played with lived. And so they'd run back and forth and talk to each other. They'd be in the kitchen doing dishes or making food or whatever, and kids are out there on their own. They're fine. They're right in front of their own house. They know what they're doing. Would have been mortified if Child and Family Services was called on me. I wonder what parents are doing now. And, and here, these people are in, their kids are in their own backyard. Do you have thoughts on this? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility. It's a free-for-all Friday. I'm Brian Lilly. This is Beyond the News, back in moments. Probably the signature song for Prince, but I wanted to play it now. I haven't been playing his music all night, but I wanted to play that now because Robert said that uh, Purple Rain could not hold a candle to um, to this song right here by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, hey. 
A little bit of Jimi Hendrix in Purple Haze. Did you know that Jimi Hendrix was in the 101st Airborne? Yeah. Hendrix was 19. He gets caught riding around in stolen cars. And they gave him the choice. You join the army, son? You can go to jail. He wisely took the army because if he went to jail, I don't think he would have had the musical career he ended up having later on. Um... I'm asking about your thoughts on music, what moves you, what drives you. Robert, out in Canada, obviously had a very strong opinion about Prince and about Jimi Hendrix, so let me have yours. You can call in 521-TALK, 521-8255, or star 580 on Bell Mobility, or you can email beyondthenews at cfra.com. And uh, I'll even go on and, and check the Twitter machine and the Facebook messages as well. Let's go to Paul in Orleans. You're on Beyond the News, my friend. How are you, sir? I'm perfectly adequate for a Friday night. Uh, I keep asking the same question. I get the same answer, so you're consistent. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's, my favorite, uh, it's my favorite response because <laughs> it, it, it makes people pause, and it often makes them laugh, and I like making people laugh. Ten for I got a handful of comments. I'm going to go in no particular order. Okay. Insofar, insofar as music, my two favorite musicians, they, they asked Eric Clapton, uh, who he thought, uh, they said, wow, how does it feel to be the best guitarist? He said, no, 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 no. He said, that's Prince. And number two, my other musician was Ginger Baker. Oh, um, I've just, uh, well, okay, so Eric Clapton and Ginger Baker together in Cream, of course. Yeah. Uh, White Room, just amazing. In no, I can't sing it anyway. But, uh, you so, get no caller. I, I, I do want to say this. Uh, about Prince and his guitarist abilities. You know, Robert was just slagging on him. Like Hendrix, he was an amazing guitarist, and I don't think a lot of people realize that. And I think it was uh, Guy Annable last night that said, you know, you got to check out his tribute to George Harrison. Yeah, yeah, I I got it. I was sent to me, the uh, weeping guitars or something. Yeah, while my guitar gently weeps. And you you can find it on YouTube. And I I went and watched it at the end of the show last night. Wild. And his solo at the end. I mean, yeah. he's up there with with Paul McCartney, he, I believe, with, and Tom he Petty. Was, uh, Tom Petty, Winwood. Yep. So all these great musicians. And he just blows <laughs> them out of the water, then takes his guitar off and throws it into the audience. I'll tell you, um, Jimi Hendrix, I think, had a short life insofar as notoriety. And, and I mean, you can't, I mean, I understand your call of Robert liking him, but, you know, Prince is in a class of his own. Um, I, mean, I mean, Hendrix, uh, his musical career was about four years. There you that, go. That's it. He died at 27. Yeah. He was in the Army till he was, uh, I believe, about 23. Yeah, you're right. And, and the other thing, I had the pleasure, uh, I mean real pleasure, I don't know him as well as you do, uh, but many, many years ago in, in, in where I used to work, he'd walk by my office building, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Duffy on Elgin Street. And, oh, yeah. You know, i got to tell you something, you know. I, I really want to see these other cronies in the Senate, like Harb, et cetera, et cetera. Let's see them get raked over the coal. But I'm going to tell you something. In my opinion, they should be passing, passing the hat and saying, uh, okay, uh, Mike, you lost two years of salary. Uh, we're going to pony up. But they won't do that. It takes a man to do that. Um, but then my favorite topic was Tinkerbell, better known as Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's flying all over the bloody world. Maybe, Brian, you you got their pulse and everything. Did he put in a change of address from Parliament Hill and just said send it anywhere in the world? Like, does he know? I mean, 
I've got these kids who live in a building. They're going to university graduates, and they're just pulling their hair out one strand at a time. The environment is, excuse the expression, but both spit uh, jobs. What happens to jobs? Nobody's going to talk about jobs. But um, well, he, anyway, he, he keeps telling the, he I keeps got, telling us, Paul, we can combine the environment and the economy. <laughs> I don't know who who doesn't think you can. Who who wants to have an economy that thrives on polluting? Yeah, it's not even the oil companies, the 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 boogeyman that everyone has out there. They don't want to do that. They they get fined millions of dollars if a few ducks land in their tailing ponds. Meanwhile, just east of here in Nation Township, they're about to put up 61-story wind turbines that will uh, turn ducks and geese and all kinds of other birds into egg salad. They but the environment has improved. Has the environment improved over the years? At least maybe I, I thought it had. Well, I'm I'm from an industrial city. I can tell you the air is cleaner Hamilton. down in Hamilton now. Yeah. Uh, my mother was from another industrial city in Scotland called Glasgow. Uh, yeah. When when fog would come in <clears> when <throat> she was a kid, you'd wipe your face away and, and and it'd be black. It's not like that anymore. Yeah, and, and I'm going to squeeze in one more question if I can. Yeah. Um, lastly, but not leastly, uh, Donald J. Trump. What do you think? <laughs> I, I I'm not a fan. Um, neither. Neither. But we'll. You know, he says he's going to be more presidential, but he also says he'll be more presidential until he faces off against Hillary. Then he'll be rough and tumble with her. I I don't know what's going to happen. Who knows? But the, I read the, I read Hillary Clinton's biography, and I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that's in love with that uh, species um, uh, is read that read a biography. It, it's just amazing. Anyway, thanks for squeezing right. me into your call list. Not a problem, Paul. Thanks Take for the care. call. Uh, Camille Paglia, and I wrote this up for Truth Revolt last night. You can find it at truthrevolt.org. Camille Paglia, a longtime feminist, professor, English uh, prof, I believe the University of Pennsylvania, or it's one of the the universities in Pennsylvania, in Philly. She wrote a scathing piece about the cult around Hillary Clinton and said that people should not be voting for her just because she's a woman. This is a woman who self-identifies and has for decades as a feminist and a lifelong Democrat and is scathing in her criticism of Hillary Clinton and the cult around her. I'll read off a bit of that when we get back from the break and uh, and some ideas from the Conservative Party on what they should be doing. Uh, should they be charging $25 and ensuring that all their members are real people that have ponied up real money? Or should it be wide open? Brian Lilly, Beyond the News. This is News Talk 580 CFRA. A rebel? You know it. Beyond the News with Brian Lilly. News Talk 580 CFRA. So the Conservative Party is holding a leadership race, in case you didn't know. The interim leader of the Conservative Party of Canada was uh, doing a tour of eastern Ontario today. She planted a tree in Prescott. Uh, I believe she made a stop in Johnstown and a stop at one of my favorite places, Graham's Bakery in Kempville. Although she, she put out something about baking bread there, and I know they make good bread, but don't you go to Graham's Bakery for the butter tarts? Isn't that what everyone knows Graham's Bakery for? All right, maybe I haven't had the good stuff. Maybe I got to go see Rick again. 
anyway, the conservatives are having a leadership race. And there's long been a problem in leadership races from all parties of people signing up what are called instant members. Um, All of a sudden, candidate goes in, grabs a stack of uh, membership forms from the, the office. There were accusations from the John Manley campaign. I remember that his people trying to tell me this about Paul Martin. They would just go in, take a stack of forms, and then return them all at once with the money. And you never really knew, did these people agree to be members, or were they suddenly members, or were their memberships paid for by the campaign? The Conservative Party, and this this is an allegation against Patrick Brown and the PC leadership. This has been an allegation against, as I said, all parties, all campaigns. Something comes up. The old uh, claim against Brian Mulroney was... There, there were a pile of people that voted for him that lived in a cemetery up in uh, a remote part of Quebec. Helped him become leader. So what the conservatives decided to do was to try and make sure that this did not happen. And so they changed the rules on how you could become a member. They said that if you wanted to be a member of the conservative party, you couldn't pay in cash, which means the the different campaigns couldn't show up and say, here's $1,000 and uh, 100 memberships. They couldn't do that. You couldn't pay cash. You had to pay by credit card or check. And they upped the membership fee to $25. The reason, the reasoning, some people say, well, it's just about raising money. They just want to get money out of people. Okay, I get that. I get that. But, I think it's about more than that. I think it's also about ensuring that you don't have someone show up with 40,000 memberships and a ton of people from one community group, one ethnic group, one religious group that have been signed up en masse, had their memberships paid for, and then they're going to turn out and vote because some ward healer tells them, we're all going to vote for so-and-so. Jason Kenney, who has yet to declare, but everyone expects will jump in, has written a piece on his website and sent out a mass email to everyone on his list. And it's titled, Expanding Membership, a Key Part of Conservative Renewal. I want to read to you a bit of this and and call in and tell me what you think. Because the debate is, a $25 membership fee, is that too expensive? Do you have to get rid of membership fees? The liberals are moving towards no Membership fee at all, but you can still vote in in who gets to be the leader of the party. You can just be a friend of the Liberal Party. Well, what do you think? Here's what Kenny writes. Political parties are a good and necessary thing. They are essential to democracy. That's a view you don't hear often these days. Since loose coalitions developed into political parties in the 18th century Westminster Parliament, they have been mocked and derided, often deservedly so. After all, parties exist in part to pursue and use state power, so their conduct and intentions should constantly be scrutinized and treated with a good dose of skepticism. Polling suggests that skepticism about parties is stronger now than ever. That's not because they have become more venal or remote. With increased oversight, ever more robust laws against corruption and for transparency, modern methods of measuring public opinion, and a stronger emphasis on bottom-up participation rather than top-down control, 
political parties in the democratic world are broadly more open, ethical, and reflective of a range of public opinion than at any time in the past. There are obvious exceptions, but just compared today's Democratic Party to that of Tammany Hall, Jim Crow, Huey Long, and the Chicago Machine, to get my point. He's talking about the Democratic Party in the U.S. Tammany Hall was an outfit in New York that essentially ran things there. Jim Crow, well, look up what Jim Crow laws were. The Chicago Machine helped JFK win, didn't they? So Kenny goes on to, to write about the need to open things up. He wants the Conservative Party to consider doing away with what they've got. He says, political parties remain indispensable to governing and representative democracies such as ours. Healthy parties that do a good job of reflecting coalitions of values or interests are essential. And that is why parties should do everything within their power to maximize civic participation at the core of which uh, is belonging, i.e. membership. This is a key consideration for the Conservative Party of Canada as it undertakes a period of renewal following last autumn's defeat. While the Conservative Party of Canada had the largest membership of the national parties over most of the past decade, it typically hovers around 80,000 in a non-election year, a little more than 1% of the roughly 5.7 million Canadians who voted Conservative in the last two elections. This number typically doubles or triples in a pre-election period with contested nominations. We also know that voters express their support in other ways, as volunteers or donors, without actually joining which poses the question, how do we persuade these people that they should formally belong as members? The Liberal Party is addressing the same challenge through... Uh, scrolling on a computer, that hurts. Uh, the Liberal Party is addressing the same challenge through the interesting experiment of moving away from traditional paid memberships to more generic supporter status. They are doing so partly to get around a long-standing internal challenge whereby provincial wings control membership based on inconsistent rules and records, but the end result may be to adopt something more akin to the American form of open party registration. There is wisdom in the long-standing convention in parliamentary countries of paid membership as a formal expression of a member's dedication to the party and its goals. But at the very least, we must ensure that membership fees never become a barrier to belonging. Further down, he says a twenty-five-year $25 one-year fee would significantly discourage participation particularly from those least inclined to belong in the first place. It means $100 for a family of four conservative supporters. It means that many seniors and single parents on modest fixed incomes will see membership as beyond their means and, as a consequence, feel either a deliberate attempt to exclude them or an indication of party indifference or ignorance of their lives. If it makes that first membership, which may lead to a lifetime of active participation for a new citizen or a new voter, just that much harder to afford. Kenny's calling on the party to look at changing their membership. Do you think that there should be? I mean, I explained and I understand why they moved to a $25 fee. I think there's a lot of good reasons for it. And I definitely understand why they said no more cash. You can't show up with $1,000 in a stack of membership applications and say these people are all legit. Just can't happen anymore. But what do you think of the liberals moving away from paid membership to supporter? Jason Kenney saying this is a, an idea worth considering. 
The Americans don't charge. You just have to register that you are with one party or the other. You can switch registrations, but I do not believe you can register with both parties at the same time. Would this make you more or less interested in joining the Conservative Party of Canada? Now, I want to add my two cents in it and welcome your calls on all of this. 521-TALK, 521-8255 or star 580 on Bell Mobility. But I want to throw in my two cents on, on the idea of the conservative leadership. It's just getting going. There's really only two declared candidates. Kelly Leach, who gave her first interview to the state broadcaster the other day. I'm a little perplexed by that decision. She has a standing offer here on this program. I'm sure many other hosts on this station would be interested in talking to her. She has a standing offer from Rebel. She went with CBC, not exactly known to be conservative-friendly for her first interview. Okay. So there's Kelly Leach, and then there's Maxine Bernier. I think that one of the questions... Given what happened at the Supreme Court last week with the overturning of the one-year mandatory minimum for repeat drug dealer convictions, repeat trafficking convictions, one of the questions that has to be asked of all of the leadership candidates is, what kind of judge would you appoint to the Supreme Court? Because while Stephen Harper had many good qualities as a leader, And I know, especially after yesterday's judgment and the Duffy decision, some people will argue that. But he did many good things for the conservative cause, and he did many good things for the country at large. But one of the things he did not do well was appoint judges that held his same philosophical viewpoint of the role of the courts. Some people would argue that the courts in Canada are not like the courts in the United States. They're not political They don't hold political viewpoints. They don't vote along political lines. If you think that, I invite you to come with me and follow Supreme Court decisions week after week when they come out. Because the simple fact is, our courts are political. So when we do get to the people like Jason Kenney jumping in, as well as Maxine Bernier, as well as Kelly Leach, as well as others, one of, the, one of the questions that has to be asked is, what kind of judge would you appoint to the Supreme Court? Do you think that's an important ideal? Do you think that's an important policy for conservatives to think about? 521-TALK, 521-8255, star 580 on Bell Mobility, and call in on your thoughts on free membership or 25 bucks. Is 25 bucks too much for you? want to hear your thoughts this is beyond the news be low 580 cfra With Brian Lilly. Join the resistance on Facebook and Twitter at CFRA Ottawa. Helps when I turn on the mic before I talk, doesn't it? Some of you might disagree with that. 
521-TALK, 521-8255. If you want to join the uh, the conversation before the end of the show, we're coming to the end of uh, Beyond the News for the week, and it's been a blast all week, and thanks again to uh, to Stephen. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Stephen Ellsworth, working the board all week and putting up with my craziness uh, because uh, well, that's what he has to do. It's his job. 521-TALK, 521-8255, or Star 580 on Bell Mobility. Who do you like in the conservative leadership race? We only have two, but I'm pretty sure that Jason Kenney and Peter McKay, very good chance both of them are going to jump in. Uh, Tony Clement looking at jumping in. Andrew Scheer amusing openly to Lawrence Martin at the Globe and Mail, of all people, that he might jump in. Andrew Scheer, uh, an Ottawa boy who moved out to Regina, to marry the love of his life and then became an MP and came back to Ottawa. So I call him the MP from uh, Ottawa, Regina Capel. He's musing about joining. Michael Chong, apparently one day will be joining the race, but hasn't quite said yes yet. Who do you like? Guy, the Capital Voice, you're on Beyond the News. You know, that question was poised today well on the Internet. Now, you know what? I, I would definitely like to see... Rona or Lisa, I think we need a woman as the leader uh, to uh, go up against Sunny Ways. I, I think she's doing an incredibly effective job in the House of Commons, and she's got his number. But, I, Brian, I did call. I know I've got a very short couple of minutes here. I don't know if you just heard the news on CNN. I sent oh, you that. I know but, what you're calling in about. You, oh, you, you Brian, tweeted this out. Brian, Brian, did you hear the news again in the music industry? No, okay, what is it? Kanye West was found in his condo tonight, alive. Take it you're not a Kanye fan? Just wanted to <laughs> just wanted to make sure that all your listeners... Yeah. It's, it, it's going around the internet right now. Terrible, just tragedy. Yeah, well, tragedy. so those of you that, uh, that aren't following, I'll, I'll retweet this out. Um, Guy tweeted out, uh, a pic, it's a picture of Anderson Cooper, and it says, more sad news from the music industry, and then the... The sub-banner is Kanye West is found alive in his apartment earlier today. Look, I'm, I'm, I don't have the same respect for Kanye West that I have for Prince or for others, but... I, I thought it was a good use or waste of somebody's time. I, uh, whoever took the time, I got a good laugh out of it. I, I loved it when... So, of course, he famously went up and interrupted uh, Taylor Swift accepting an award and said, oh, Beyonce should have gotten this. So when Princess Kate, the lovely princess, had her baby. Not to uh, mention he's countless. So he, uh, th- there was a, a meme going around of Kanye West standing up and saying, Princess Kate, I know your baby's pretty and cute, but Beyonce has the cutest baby. It's just really well done. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have yeah. thoughts on, on the conservative leadership race beyond Ronna Ambrose? Because she's not going to run. Like your interviews with Maxine Bernier I thought were good. I never knew he was as much of a libertarian as you promoted him to be. And then he, his, some of his views were things just, you know, he is from Quebec. He's, he does speak. He's a great speaker. He's got lots of passion. Um, so, yeah, I, my, my meter went up for Maxime Bernier when I didn't really consider him before. I think Kelly Leach is probably one of the smartest women uh, with Rona and Lisa who could I definitely – I think we need a woman, Brian. I really do. I think after 10 years of Harper – uh, and 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 with sunny ways in there with his hair and that we're going to need a woman to do this uh, clean this mess up. I, I I absolutely refuse to 
vote for anybody based on their gender or their ethnicity. It's whether no, they can do the job. No, but I think in the male gender right now, who, are, who would be the better options? Well, I'm going to wait for everybody to jump in. And okay. my, my, my job, is, as I view it, is I'm going to, for the foreseeable future, remain neutral. I want to see what they have to say. I want to interview them all. I want to bring them to this audience. I want to bring them to the rebel as well. And I want to you know, explore where they're sitting because I, I think some people will surprise us, some in positive ways, some in negative ways. You might end up in a conversation with one of them and find out, oh, wait a minute, you support that? What? As I found out with Maxine Bernier, who was much more libertarian than I ever thought. I was, I was surprised. So to your point exactly. Yeah. But uh, um, it, it, from a party protocol standpoint, Rona can run for the leadership, can she not, or am I incorrect? Um, that I don't know. I, I think that the, everyone that um, that tried to run for interim leader said that if they got it, they would not run for leader because you're in a – Well, that's the Bob Ray rule, right? But does it apply to the conservative uh, constitution? I, I don't know about the party constitution, but I believe they all made that pledge because yeah. you are in an unfair position. And, and you should not be interim leader, which means you have all the resources as the leader in this case with this party, not, not so with the NDP, but the conservatives are Her Majesty's loyal opposition. So if they are – if you've got a, an interim leader, they have all the resources of the uh, official opposition leader's office. That is significant. You have the profile that comes with that. You have the ability to use parliamentary funds to – Put your message out in, in a very legitimate way. I'm not saying in an underhanded way. It is a legitimate use of parliamentary expenses for politicians to say to the public, this is where we stand on this issue. Okay, let me do a rapid fire on you. Mm-hmm. Two years, any Senate financing changes? Do you think there'll be any changes in two years? Well, they've already made a bunch of changes, and they've tightened up the rules. Uh, will they be as tight as the House of Commons? That I don't know. Any other comments on Duff? Did you get in touch with him after your great little soliloquy there on Wednesday night? Uh, have not uh, have not chatted with the Duff yet, but we'll see what happens in coming I, days. I hope you get a shot at him, Brian. Do him justice. Um, you know, he, a guy like you or David Aiken, I'm sure, would be the first people that he would uh, would sit down with. Well, I, I think that Mike might want to sit out for the next 30 days and see if the Crown's going to appeal. Guy, thanks for calling in tonight. Have a great Love the show, Brian. All right. Um, Keep sending me your thoughts by email, by Twitter, on Facebook, and let me know what you think of what you're hearing on the show, how the show's going. Give us feedback. It's a new show. I mean, I'm having a blast doing this, and I hope you're enjoying it. Most of the feedback I get is positive. Um, Robert doesn't particularly like me, but as I pointed out to him, uh, I think he promised to leave the city if he didn't run, uh, didn't win the mayor's election last time, and, and yet he, he keeps emailing me. So, you know, shotgun son gout, as the French say. Uh, f- we'll be back on Monday with more, and uh, I think by Tuesday we finally got the video down. I, trying, to, trying to do something different on this issue of who pays taxes. I've been teasing this for a while. But if you ever follow Prager University, this is Dennis Prager. He's done a series of videos. He does about one a week. Very educational, very informative from a conservative point of view. We try to follow that model for this 
this video on who pays what in taxes. So that's coming out early next week. In the meantime, lots of good stuff up at the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Brian Lilly. We'll be tweeting out on the weekend some fun stuff. Follow me on both social media platforms, and we'll be back next week. Thanks to everybody in CFRA for, uh, for the support. Thanks to Stephen for working the board. Back on Monday. Remember, I'm on your side.